0: Is here? Um, okay, today's scripture is Hosea chapter 8 to 10. Um, in these chapters, like this picture, Hosea blows the trumpet of warning after warning, sounding the alarms a very gloomy and depressing judgment. So it's hard to read. But fortunately, this is not the end of the story. Okay, before diving in, uh, briefly, I'd like to explain a couple of things to help you better understand uh, today's passage. So when we read the prophets, in any prophet, the word Israel has several meanings. So first, Israel means the whole nation of Israel. And it also means the people of the nation of Israel, So, which we often call Israelite. But sometimes are just called Israel. And Israel also means the nation of um, the northern kingdom after na- uh, the nation of Israel split into two. The northern kingdom is, of Israel is also called Ephraim especially in Hosea. So why is that? So Ephraim is one of the northern kingdom uh, Uh, one of the 12 tribes of Israel and the tribes were named after one of the younger uh, sons of Joseph who is a son of Jacob. So the the name Ephraim means fruitfulness. So in 930 BC the tribe of Ephraim led the uh, 10 northern tribes to establish the kingdom of Israel. Jeroboam who was an Ephraimite was the first king, and seventh king of Israel, Ahab, was also an Ephraimite. But about uh, 745 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel was often referred to as the kingdom of Ephraim, a reflection of tribes' importance. And also, sometimes termed Samaria is referred to the northern kingdom, because Samaria was the capital of the Northern Kingdom. So we have to interpret the word Israel properly uh, based on the context. So today, when I say Israel, which means Northern Kingdom. So last time Christina mentioned some uh, historical background of Hosea's time, but let's review a little bit. So Hosea's ministry began sometime near uh, 760 BC to, to Israel for 40 years and just before Israel's fall to the Assyria. So which means Hosea begins to prophesize during the reign of Jeroboam II here and all the way down to the last king Hosea. This Hosea has a S-H-E-A so you can differentiate Prophet Hosea and King Hosea. So after you you look at it. Uh, the Jeroboam the II's death, Zechariah was made king, but he was assassinated by Shalom, who was assassinated by Manahem, and Manahem was replaced by Pekahiah, who was assassinated by Pekah, and who was assassinated by Hosea. Right? <laughs> you all remember the name of so all these kings, but you get the picture. <laughs> this was a politically unstable time for Israel. In spite, of, in spite of it, it was relatively at one time for Israel. The rich and powerful, the richer and more powerful at the expense of the poor and vulnerable. So it's, it's like a bull market for the upper class. So the, and idol worship and false religion were chronic, and corruption was widespread. These are the problem that Hosea faced. Okay, let's uh, see chapter eight, uh, verse one. Put the trumpet to your lips. An eagle is over the house of the Lord, because the people has broken my covenant and rebelled against my law. So this verse is Actually, conclusion of chapter 8. The trumpets were used to sound an alarm or gather the people. So, war is announced by the sound of trumpet. So, this blowing of trumpet meant something dangerous was on the horizon. So, what kind of danger? The eagle symbolize the speed and power of both God's deliverance and God's destruction. But this time, it is the latter. It is Assyria that would bring down Israel as God's agent of justice. So, rest of the verses in chapter 8 provide the detail of the causes of this judgment. The first cause is transgression of the covenant. So, this is about relationship. So, what is required in the covenant? is a relationship with God. So God chose them to belong to Him and then chose to commit Himself to them in a relationship of love. But Israel broke the covenant with God and gave their loyalty to other gods. The second cause is rebellion against the law. So this is about God's commands, but it's more than just a written instruction. It is God's gracious gift to guide the people in their covenant responsibilities as a community of faith. So God has given his word to his people so they may know him. And people who are right with God want to learn the word of God so that they may make adjustments to their own lives. You know, that's why we are here, right? So throughout the Old Testament, there were a total of 613 laws. The problem was not locking God's written revelation or lack of information. The problem was just lack of covenant loyalty and personal faith. So, okay, so give them the benefit of doubt. So, hey, who can remember all 613 laws, right? So, but can you remember just 10? Still too much? Maybe what about just one? No, I am the Lord your God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Okay, those are two commandments, not just one. But I recently saw this picture. Before the birth of the internet, people thought ignorance was due to lack of information. In the age of information, ignorance is a choice. So, Israel didn't have internet, but they had plenty of information. They just made a choice to ignore it and neglect of it. Just like um, it doesn't mean anything anymore. So if you decide to ignore it, you have to face the consequences. So like, how many times we have seen our kids make a stupid choice? You know, you already saw all the consequences come along with the choice, so you give them advice. And then what happened? Of course they don't listen to you. So how frustrating to see your kid now had to deal with the consequences which you already warned them of. So can you feel God's frustration? After I had a kid, I feel for God more and more. You know? <laughs> Sorry God, but I commiserate with you. Yeah. We have the same problem. The third cause is um, rejection of the good. So the good, that is God. God who is good because there is none good but Him. Matthew nineteen seventeen said. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandment. So rejecting God means rejecting all the things God brings, such as good ways of life, good morals, and justice and mercy, etc. But verse 2 said, They cry out to Him, Our God, we acknowledge You. Isn't that interesting? They broke the covenant and rebelled against God's law and rejected God, but still said, I know you. Really? How? So they might know God ritually and intellectually, but they didn't know Him in personal relationship and faith. They know God as the God who just helped them when they are in trouble. Sound familiar? It's not good. It sounds familiar to you. So, but to be honest, many of us are the exact same way. That's why I think someone, you know, invented the word "church door." So, first, uh, first reason uh, for the judgment is making the first king. So, two years ago, when we studied Samuel. Uh, all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel to ask for a king for them, just like other nations. Remember that? And they didn't want to be governed by God, but governed by a human king. At least at that time, their king kings were according to divine ordination, like Saul, David, and Solomon. So why is God's ordination important? because the king was God's representative or agent. And also divine ordination of a king is what differentiates the nation of Israel from all other nations. So there are two factors involved in choosing a king. In order for a leader to be set up by God, he must be someone of good character. And in order for a leader to be set up by God, he must come to his position by good means, not by assassination. So we also have to think about this when we have an election next year. So rather than seeking men of God's choosing, Israel has appointed their own kings. What that means is that they have become totally independent from God's purpose and His direction in the rule of the kings of the nation. So as we see, during 253 years of reign of Israel, 19 kings in all, 10 out of 19 kings were killed by violent assassination and one committed suicide. See the character? All bad, 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 bad. No one king was good in God's eyes. The split of the nation was God's doing. But that doesn't mean that the series of assassination of the kings was according to his will. So they did not wait for God's command to do it. And they did not seek the approval in doing it. Fifth, the making of false gods. This is the major cause of Israel's destruction. Deuteronomy 12, 13, and 14 said Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offering anywhere you please. Offer them only the place the Lord will choose in one of your tribes. So God has appointed one central sanctuary and place of sacrifice, which is Jerusalem. But Israel's first king, Jeroboam, made two golden calves and established shrines shrine at Bethel and Dan. So the northern Israelites would not need to go to Jerusalem for sacrifice. The irony is that Bethel was sacred to the Israelites, because it was here that Jacob established a shrine to God to, to serve him. That's why Bethel means house of God. But now it was associated with idolatry. In chapter 10, 5, Hosea sarcastically called it as Beth Aven, which means house of wickedness. So house of God became house of wickedness. The problem is not just the new place to worship. They put two homemade golden calves on the shrines. Israel's God was a creature of Israel's own making. So I read this, just wonder, was there anyone there and said, Hey, you know, when I'm reading the book of Exodus, when they made a golden calf, God was really, really mad. And then he killed some of them. So I think this is not a good idea. But no one said it, so they didn't learn the lesson. But why is a calf not any other animal? A calf represents the fertility in the female and vitality in the male. So calf worship is common practice found in the you know temples of many other nations in the ancient Near East. So in the beginning, Israel has golden calf in. Bethlehem, but also local bell shrines in each village on every high hill. In addition to that, there were all kinds of public and private sculpted cultic images throughout Israel. People had little statues of or plaques in their home for private worship. So between Jeroboam Jer- first and the prophet Hosea's time, The worship of calf evolved more into the pagan ritual and continued by every subsequent king of Israel. The interesting thing is that the Israelites, both North and South, never abandoned the worship of God. They just added up to the Baal worship and calf worship and any other foreign king worship to their worship of God. So they have one God, Yahweh, for Christ's and other gods for everyday life. Just as if uh, one Yahweh is not enough. So one commentator said that the fundamental problem for Israel was religious. But we know sometimes more is not better. The sixth cause for the judgment is alliance with the nation. So in addition to following idols, Israel was seeking help in other nations. So instead of trusting God, Israel sold themselves among the nations, seeking political allies. So the issue of alliances with other nations keeps coming up, not only in Hosea, but also in many other prophets. So, I'd like to go through the history of what this is all about. So, it's a little bit long and dry, but it helps you understand better when you read other prophets too. So, in the middle of 8th century BC, Tychus Pleasure III, over here, he took the throne of Assyria, and it became the greatest threat of Israel. And beside this external threat from Assyria, internally, Israel was in a vulnerable situation due to political power struggle with a series of assassinations, we saw it, and spiritual decline, we saw it, and widespread fair worship, we saw it. (coughs) So Israel has an alliance with Syria to resist Assyria. And then they asked Judah to join in. But Judah said, eh, no, they refused. Because of this, Israel and Syria attacked Judah. Okay, I'm not a graphic designer, so just bear with me. <laughs> so this uh, this is called Syro-Ephraimite war. This war is very important because they, the downfall of these three countries, Syria, Israel, and Judah, came from the decision they made during this war. The prophet Isaiah pleaded to the king of Judah to trust God, but he rejected Isaiah's advice and sent the silver and gold from the temple to Tiglath's pleasure king of Assyria to come and help. With his tribute, Ahaz willingly made Judah a vessel to Assyria. A vessel to a foreign nation means belong, being subordinary to another power in any way the power sees fit. So when Judah became a vessel to Assyria, Judah's king and people and land became subordinary to a foreign king. So this kind of political alliance is always involved to some extent the deities of the nation, which God views as idolatry. But Judah voluntarily accepted a physical, spiritual, and metaphorical slavery over trust in God's deliverance. So Assyria accepted Judah's offer and invade Syria and Israel. Syria was totally destroyed and much of Israel was taken and only Samaria was left now king of Hosea of Israel immediately surrendered and paid tribute to Tiglath-pileser king of Assyria but not long after Tiglath-pileser's death Hosea refused to pay his tribute the new king of Assyria Shalmaneser rose against Israel and imprisoned King Hosea. In order to break free from Assyrian control, King Hosea made an alliance with Egypt, but it failed. So Salmanes of Army attacked Israel again and eventually Samaria fell in 722 BC. The city was destroyed and Israel became part of the Assyrian Empire. And some people were exiled to Assyria and others resettled in the captured territory. So in order to avoid the same fate of Israel, the king of Judah, Ahaz, accepted the Assyrian god as his own. So Ahaz converted part of the temple, Jewish temple, into shrine to Assyrian deity, and offered his sons as a sacrifice on, on the altars. So This era was remembered as one of the worst times of apostasy from God. On the contrary, the new king Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, was encouraged by the prophet Isaiah to restore worship of God and then begin to have a religious reforms to remove all the pagan uh, religious practice. So Hezekiah was kind of king, Judah and provided a vision, a call for the future. <coughs> In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, the king Zennacherib of Assyria captured the fortified city of Judah and told Hezekiah to surrender encouraged by Isaiah to trust God and ask God for deliverance. So God rewarded his faith and by destroying the Assyrian army. However, in a moment of weakness, Hezekiah showed the envoys from Babylon, the house of his treasures. This caused Isaiah to prophesy that king's treasures and his descendants would be taken away to Babylon. And later this prophecy was fulfilled. So Syria and Israel and Judah's destruction all resulted from the Syro-Ephraimite war. Even though the war itself was not the cause for the destruction of these countries, but the decision they made definitely speed it up. So God sent all the prophet to Judah and Israel to turn from their evil ways and trust him, but they would not hear it, they did not believe in God, and put their trust in the power of other nations. In Deuteronomy, foreign alliances are forbidden, basically because they represent a lack of faith in God. So they're depending on foreign alliances instead of depending on God. For salvation. <coughs> okay, the seventh cause for the judgment is sin offering altars. Altars are the place where the Israelites come and sacrifice their animals and confess their sins to receive forgiveness. But their altars were set up at Bethlehem and the tops of hills and mountains to sacrifice idols. So consequently, they multiply their sins by every altar they make and every idol they worship. Lifeless sacrifice. Israel's sacrifice do not delight God but caused God to punish them because they were turning sacred worship into festivals for fun and food. It was acceptable in the law for some of the sacrificial animals to be eaten after the offering has been made. But the problem here is that people ended up loving to eat the food more than they loved the God who is offering them forgiveness. So when I was young and my mom always took me to the Buddhist temple because she is a Buddhist, I have three older brothers, uh, but they are not interested in going to the temple. So I'm the youngest one and I'm the only one my mom can convince to join her. So my mom went there for prayer, but I went there for food. It was all vegetarian, does not use a lot of spices, just use salt and pepper and soy sauce and that's it. But it tastes so good. So that's why I love to go there. But I didn't know why this plain, simple, vegetarian temple food tastes so good until I was in high school. I realized that it tastes so good because the temple was on the mountain. So we had to hike for an hour to get there. So after hike on the mountain for an hour, everything tastes good. So this verse reminds me of that memory, you know, going to a temple for food, not for prayer. So what God is saying here is that without the right spirit and the offerers, the offering sacrifice become meaningless, in which God take no pleasure. Finally, the last cause of judgment is Israel's memory loss. They have forgotten their God. Uh, this is the main reason why all these things are happening. This was true for Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Israel, Israel was trusting her wealth, and Judah was trusting her military might. And Israel built temples and Judah multiplied fence cities. But God is not impressed by human making. They have forgotten what God is actually like. Uh, made a great observation about forgetting God in his book, Learning to Live. Do we understand what it means to forget God? I'm not sure we do. It does not mean that God was put into the realm of oblivion. You cannot forget God like that. Even in denying God, you are remembering Him. Intellectually, we do not forget God. The word forgot here means, Israel has mislaid his Maker. If you forget something, it is out of your memory altogether. If you mislay something, you are completely aware of its existence, but as far as you are concerned, it is out of use, out of circulation. The God of Israel was misplaced among the many false gods deliberately And soon, they have lost attention to their Creator. And eventually, they lost any conscious awareness of presence of God. It could happen to us. So, how to prevent us from misplacing God? (coughs) My son was in fourth grade. Uh, His teacher asked them to read Stephen Covey's The Seventh Habit of Highly Effective People. And ask them to write them, write down which habit they like the most and why. So my, ch- my son chose habit number three, put first things first. I was very impressed by it, but of course, he did not always practice what he chose. So as a human being, we never automatically put God first. If you do, please share with your secret with us, we know how to do it. But if we put God first consciously and deliberately, I think everything will come to its own place. It is our mindful choice not to forget God and to place him first in our thought life. Okay, chapter nine. On chapter nine is continue with the same subject, the sins and punishment of Israel. Hosea addresses here 10 things that will happen if Israel keep behaving simply. Denunciation of joy. No more parties. You know The festival, which uh, should have been a time of thanksgiving to God, had degenerated into orgies in worship of Baal. However, it never led to happiness, but to the judgment of God. No prosperity. They lose the material provisions. There will be no harvest, so there will be no rejoicing. Departure from the land. Hosea talks about Assyrian exile. They will be in a foreign land and eat defiled food. Loss of spiritual privilege. They will not be able to offer God Acceptable offering because there will be no more chance to worship. Desolate dwellings. It is not possible to run away from exile. (coughs) They will die in exile and and slavery. Those who escape the invading Assyrian army by fleeing to Egypt and will die there too. Coming up, retribution. So time's up. God's punishment and retribution is at their doorstep. God said twice in verse 7, the days are coming, the days are at hand. So, get the point? And fading glory, God will cause his glory to fly away. Absence of reproduction. Israel's Lack of spiritual productivity will be reflected in the people's inability to bear children. There are two ironies here. So I told you earlier that the name of Ephraim means fruitfulness, but now they will be fruitless. And the second irony is that Israel worshiped Baal, which is a fertility god. So Israel's participation in the fertility religion results in the curse of infertility. Isn't that funny? And loss of God's love. God will take away his love from them. And verse 15 said, All their evil came out of into the open at Gilgal. So what happened at Gilgal? Gilgal was the place where uh, Israel entered their land of promise. When the nation under Joshua, they crossed over the Jordan and to conquer Canaan, it was one of the first cities that they set up as, as a center for worship. So in Gilgal, Israelite kept the first Passover in the land. But it was also the place where they rejected God and chose a human king. It was there that Saul was crowned and where Saul personally disobeyed the instruction of Samuel. So gradually through the history of the nation, the Gilgal became a center for Baal worship and pagan religion. So therefore, Gilgal became synonymous with God's displeasure over Israel's constant disobedience. Last one is withdrawal of God's presence. Verse 17 said, My God will reject them because they have not obeyed him. They will be wanderers among the nations. So after Assyrian exile, 10 tribes of Israel were gradually assimilated by other people and disappeared from history forever. This is how they became the Ten Lost Tribes. Actually, the prophecy of judgment in this chapter is clearly mentioned in Deuteronomy to 64 You who were as numerous as the stars in the sky will be left but few in number, because you did not obey the Lord your God. Just as it pleased the Lord to make you prosper and increase in number, so it will please them, please him to ruin and destroy you. You will be uprooted from the land you are entering to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among the nations, from one end of the earth to the other. There will be worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your ancestor has known, have known. So verse 17, complete the whole prophecy, the reason of the punishment, which is disobedience, and the declaration of punishment, which is rejection from God, and the result of the punishment, which is banishment among the nations. So chapter 10, um, most of this chapter is repetition of what God already said in previous chapters. But in this chapter, we can see the way and hope to get out of this terrible judgment. But in spite of grave sin of Israel and coming judgment, God reflected on how he cherished Israel. He compared Israel with grapes in the desert with only fruit on tree in chapter 9, and with a lush vine and with a trained cat in this chapter, and finally with a beloved child or son in later chapters. So the design of this metaphor is not to state that they had any goodness in them before, but to express God's love to them. God found them, and took notice of them, and took care of them, and provide for them, and protect them, and gave them His love and affection based on His own sovereign goodwill and pleasure. So Hosea pleased that God cherished you this much, and there is still time for amendment. And he said in verse 12, Sow righteousness for yourself, Rip the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your own unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord, until He comes and showers His righteousness on you. What a surprising verse in this horrible judgment context, right? If if you are a gardener, you know that the uncultivated soil was resistant to seed planting and growth. So just break up all the sin-hardened soil of your heart and seek God. The right time to seek God is right now. There is still time to get it right. No matter how simple you may have been or how long you have been depraved, there is still time to seek God. God wants you back. So turn around and pursue righteousness, then God will bless you. God is your only hope and redeemer.